house. No, the right no, house. I did it. Get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. I think this is the moment, and in this moment, I, I, I think we should kiss. So, I can either hurt now or hurt later. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that Kate Blanchett experiences as a floating, watery ghost in her willow tree. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, Joe Reed. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Chris File. Hello, Chris. Hello, Joseph. You are over on the West Coast right now. I know. I went to L.A. to get a guest for this episode. I'm that dedicated to the Shop Girl episode of this. The things we do for our listeners. We get on planes. We have vacations. (laughs) I know. I will dedicate myself to going on a vacation to Los Angeles. (laughs) Every episode. We love you. Yeah, we have a very special guest for this episode. I'm very excited. My good friend and very talented screenwriter film and television luminary i don't know oh. <laughs> Re- <laughs> former recapper extraordinaire there's a whole litany of uh credits for pamela ribbon i would say uh i'll introduce you as writer of moana and ralph breaks the internet the two two of my favorite animated movies of of recent memory so the reason why I'm still singing about Slaughter Race every day in the showers. Two so. of, like, my, as a crier at all movies, but, like, two of, like, the hardest cries I've probably had in many a year oh, yeah. recently. Yeah, you write me a movie about, like, friendship and, like, how to be a better friend. Yeah, that's... Or, like, a relationship right. with your grandmother. <laughs> but we'll let you talk. Welcome, Pam, to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. How's it going? It's fine. You guys are gonna get me weepy. I know, right? Well, get ready for the weep, the, the weepiness of shop girl? Question mark. So we gave you. Uh, well, before we get into the movie of the day, I wanted to to talk about as we do with our guests generally. This is a podcast about Oscars, sort of tracking the Oscars through the year. We're big Oscar dorks. You are probably not as dorky about the Oscars as we are, but like, what is what was your what is your relationship to the Oscars as, like, watching from when you were younger, maybe? Yeah. or I definitely watched them growing up. Yeah. Yes. Do you I remember specific them. ones that, like, you had an investment in? Or do you, like, specific movies <laughs> that you were just like, I really, really want this thing to win versus... Um, one of the well. first fights I ever got into with my dad was um, I was furious that Bill Murray was not nominated for Best Actor for Ghostbusters. Oh, wow. Oh. I was mad. I yeah. was mad 
Uh, what year was that? I mean, you know. 85? So was right? That, Ghostbusters is, that, is 85, that 84. that out of Africa year or something like that? It's it, probably, yeah. I just remember him screaming at me. <laughs> right? <laughs> what are you talking about? You You're just like nothing. William Hurt, Schmilliam Hurt. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is Bill Murray's year. I was I'm like, 100% is... going to pull up this best actor lineup, but go <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, no, please do. <laughs> I was really mad. I do think at one point he also was like, he would have won best supporting anyway. <laughs> You're like, he was the leader of that team. I felt very vindicated when Lost in Translation came around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost, up till the point where Sean Penn snatched that away from us. I just mean the nomination. Like oh, he's sure. He's finally getting what I thought he had clearly walked away with. Well, and it's funny, we'll talk about that when we talk about Steve Martin in this, that like all of Steve Martin's contemporaries seem to have sort of like found their moment with the Oscars, and Steve Martin has like hosted the Oscars, but he's never been able to grab it wait chris have you found that lineup i totally do one thing i will say before this lineup this would have been the same oscar year as the razor's edge talk about old school this had oscar buzz with bill murray yeah like in the first serious role that he did that'd be fun so wait this is 84 this would have been 84 um this is the amadeus year actually so you have f murray abraham winning nominated next to his co-star tim uh, Tom Hulse, um, yeah. Jeff Bridges for Starman. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, that was my mom Al- was rooting for that one. Yeah. Oh, man, Albert the whole Finney family was for Under the Volcano, and Sam Waterston for The Killing Fields. Oh, I watched The Killing Fields in school, as I recall. Sam Waterston. That's an odd. That's an odd one. I don't. He doesn't jump out at me for that movie. That's interesting. You know, I will just say, and like this is maybe fighting words because rest in peace, we just lost him, but I would kick out Albert Finney for that Uh because like, what is under the volcano? Like you talk about the, of all those movies, the ones that have no imprint and Albert Finney had other nominations. It's fine. So we'll take him out. We'll put in Bill Murray and everybody in the, in the ribbon household will be happy. (laughs) Albert Finney can uh, get an Annie. Right, right, an, Annie, yeah. an Oscar for Annie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, well, and exactly. Aaron Brockovich too. Yeah, that's oh yeah, he had he had Would plenty of Oscar win. nominations to go around. So um, we gave you when we approached you to be a guest on this episode, we gave you our list, our giant sort of spreadsheet of these are the movies that you know we have in our bucket to talk about, and you came back with one movie and one movie alone. <laughs> And that movie was Shop Girl, and I was so happy because I like I did I eventually wanted to get to this movie, but I want to know what what was it about that movie that made you because pick it out? I only wrote Shop Girl, please. Yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, listen. Sometimes you can. Uh, I didn't want to spend an hour complaining about a film, sure, right? And then sometimes when you, I didn't want to tear anything apart, but I also could tell that probably looking back. This would be a complicated relationship that uh-huh. I would have with Shop Girl. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What I thought it was, and I think of Shop Girl. I was surprised at the year because I think of it as a movie I saw when I first moved out to LA and started understanding Los Angeles. It's actually I'd been here a few years you, before this. Yeah, came out. it was probably right around the time that you and I had first met, maybe a little bit before, because yeah, I feel I like so. we met in like 2006 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or maybe a little earlier than that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I was, I, I, I'd like put it squarely around like Amelie. I thought this right. Was oh, okay. Really yeah. Really yeah. It's it feels very aughts, early aughts oh. in its feminism, which we'll get into. But uh, yeah. yes, and I read the book, and I remembered. It I was just, such a big hit that book. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember also it's one of the one of the things I still remember watching in the movie theater because some movies when you see LA movies in LA there's an LA 
audience uh-huh. layer of comedy on top uh-huh. of that, and Shop Girl had that. Yeah, over and over again. What what are the what are the big LA moments? Oh, that specifically you how easy it is to park in front of Claire James's <laughs> Silver Lake apartment. Nobody never laughed every time, <laughs> laughing like it was the running joke of the film. People just like sure, they just <laughs> just run up the stairs, Claire. Like oh so God. easy to park. Always, yeah. she always had this spot. Yeah, impossible. That that place <laughs> seemed pretty nice. You had the the skylight, and you know, yeah. all the better to wistfully dream into the voiceover heavens or whatever. You had to go up and then down to get into your apartment past many neighbors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But parking, so easy right there at Sunset Junction. (laughs) (laughs) It still made me laugh the first time I saw it. That's fantastic. Chris, do you have any uh, initial reactions to Shop Girl? Does it stand out in your mind for any reason? Um, before we, like, get into the movie, just, like, we're gonna be talking about 2005, which, yes, is the Crash Brokeback Mountain year, but, like, this was my freshman year of college, and so it's, like, the September to October window, like, as I was getting acclimated to college, is, like, there's a whole slew of stuff that I didn't really see, though I think I saw Elizabethtown, like, three times. Um, uh, yeah, um... So it's like my memory of this movie just completely coming and going is very vivid. And like it was always one of those things I've had to catch up to and never really had a reason to. Right. Um, until now. Um, so you had so not yeah, seen like, it until... I remember like the slew of movies of that specific time because it was like I wasn't in high school. And it was like even though at first I couldn't see movies because I was too busy, but it was just like the floodgates were opening. So it's yeah. just like, I feel like that whole fall is like burned in my mind for uh, yeah. This, this movie is sort of twinned with movies like proof and even like the family stone a little bit. Cause that was like Claire Danes's too, like 2005 yeah. fall of 2005 movies. But I do remember a big, and we'll talk about this for sure. Like there was a big push that like, Oh, it's her time now. She's mm-hmm. now like mm-hmm. she's now made it to the other side. She's not a teen star anymore. She's now an adult actress and an ingenue, and I'm always looking for their new Audrey Hepburn. I feel like, and Oscar. I think it's something we'll talk about like as we get into it in the episode. But like a lot of her film career is playing supporting characters, so this one in particular felt special leading up to yeah. it that it could be for her because it was the lead. Just to give the quick stats, uh, Shop Girl directed by Anand Tucker. Anand Tucker, of course, was the director of Hillary and Jackie, which had gotten acting nominations for Emily Watson and Rachel Griffiths a couple years before. I 100% thought Steve Martin directed this movie. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. very surprised yeah. when the credits were rolling. Well, because it, it just feels like his ownership over the movie feels yeah. very, very complete. He did write the screenplay adaptation from his novella of the same name starred claire danes steve martin jason schwartzman bridget wilson sampras in probably the last like major role i can remember her in before she kind of like went away um francis conroy it premiered at the toronto film festival of that year and then opened on november 4th 2005 so that's the stats pam we every week we do a 60 second take 60 seconds to sum up the plot of the movie that we're talking about. Whenever we have guests, we give them the privilege okay. <laughs> of doing that. If you feel like you're up to the challenge... Yeah, I'm going to give it a try. ...of summing up in one minute the plot. It's a novella, so you know. Yeah. yeah. It shouldn't be so bad. Uh, you, it, it originated in brevity. Yes, exactly, exactly. So if you're ready, okay. I will start the timer. Ready? Okay. Go. 
Claire Danes works at a high-end department store at the gloves counter. Uh, she tries dating Jason Schwartzman. It doesn't go very well. She meets Steve Martin, who gives her a taste of the finer Los Angeles life. They eat near pools and share sensual sex and presents. She wears a lot of pretty dresses. Like, I'd wear all of them now. Um, then she's so happy she goes off her meds. That doesn't go so well. Um, she gets withdrawn. And uh, Steve Martin eventually has to nurse her back to health, all while he never has a secret wife. That's the, that's the real twist. Uh, and Jason Schwartzman joins a band as a roadie, and he learns how to love someone. Wow. Is that it? Yeah, you have like it. 23 I mean... seconds left. That's amazing. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a tiny little story. It's a tiny little story. I'm yeah. just going to turn the time around. That's We've never had anybody get to it. I think you getting to the actual story in the first two seconds instead of mentioning... Her well, name for the first like, yeah, time. Well, because I could do sixty seconds on her name. Okay, this is what I did uh, want to talk yeah. to you about this. Her name, her character's name in the movie is Mirabelle Butter. What is it? Butterfield. Buttersfield. Butters. Multiple mm-hmm. butters in one field. These are we've, very easy to find. We've talked about on this podcast <laughs> yeah. before, that, like these little uh, telltale signs that you are working with a movie adapted from a book and one of them is that the character names are all these giant unwieldy things <laughs> that look really impressive in print and mm. sound like you're an insane person when you're speaking them is well, this like a thing when you're you as a writer is this like a thing that you're aware of in terms of like when you're writing a character name specifically for the screen just like this make well, it easy to say i <laughs> think this name this just sounds like this sounds to me like Steve Martin is making up a name. Right. right. At any yeah. point. Like, this is the On name, the, the fake name he gives at the hotel. <laughs> right. Art Vandalay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's very Art Vandalay. But also, you you can, it's got such an air of, look at this little woman yeah. that we're going to right. fix. Mirabelle. Can I, can, I, can I just start with the feminism? Yeah, no, yeah. please. <laughs> because, There's a lot of it in well, this. Well, because yeah. I was thinking, like, this is such a... This is such a time in the early aughts where being a feminist meant a feminist film meant a female protagonist, but she was still the damsel in distress. Right. Mm-hmm. So we were going to save her. And it yeah. begins with, this is a woman who needs validation. Let's look at her through this little window. Unless she's a whale rider. Well. Or, uh, like, I'm trying to think of, like, big, like, feminist movies of that, like, mid-2000s run. Well, that's a little North girl. Country. Right. The whale... <laughs> Is she a boxer who dies at Clint Eastwood's hand at the end? She was the damsel in distress. Yeah. Yes. I mean, even Amelie, my beloved Amelie. Like, it is like, here's a woman who doesn't know. Oh, you said Elizabethtown and I had to take a breath. But like, (laughs) here's a woman who doesn't know how special and wonderful she is. Right. Let's let's find out with her, you know. And their courtship to me, and I don't know, Chris, tell me if if you disagree. The courtship between her and both of these guys, at least with Jason Schwartzman, we're supposed to feel like, Oh, this is like terribly awkward and like yeah. terribly underwhelming. And they, they, she especially sort of like puts that on Front Street, where he's just like, should we, should we kiss now? And she's like, what would be the point of that? Or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He very like, much with... does not deserve her. But right. I know where you're going with this because the Steve Martin character, and I know you fully know what my response to this was, and like not knowing how intense this movie was going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, like, or what the temperature of this movie was going to be. I spent the first half hour of it trying to just figure out if he was going to try to murder her or abuse <laughs> her right. or something. It's very that because you, what was the line you mentioned? Oh, it, it, like oh, your well, name is very easy life. to find Yeah, in oh, yeah, the yeah. phone book. What, uh, 
what well, man just the gift says of, like, this? Like the gloves is. I'm like, I get that. Like she yeah. works at the glove counter. I like the incredulity you put on that when you're just like, <laughs> does anybody still wear a hat? It's one of those things. It's just yeah. like the Maybe gloves. Does anyone still wear gloves? Yeah. It's a whole counter and a well, whole job. All I, all I could it think feels of is... like she's in the attic of Saks trying <laughs> right? to sell gloves. It's well, all I could think so of was like sad. Rooney Mara and Carol, or like Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn, like all these like old movies where like the department stores had like actual mm-hmm. departments. That... Well, you know where I got these gloves? I got them at Buttersfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that it's the heterosexual Frankenbergs. Like, yeah, had her own little like Etsy store for gloves or whatever. <laughs> like, that, that's a different movie. She's a quirkier. That's the modern take on Shop Girl. Sure, it's Etsy yeah. Shop Girl. But you can yeah. tell that like that Steve Martin has the sort of like wistful idea for like he was twelve and he you know fell in love with the girl behind the you know counter at Macy's or whatever. No, but I mean, isn't this supposed to be a little bit based on a? Based on a thing. Well, that's yes, yes, that is true. Yeah, that he yeah. that apparently he was the Jason Schwartzman in this kind of a relationship with a oh, woman. That's the he's story. The Schwartzman. That's the story that mm-hmm. in his in his experience there was an I older, more successful gentleman who who whisked a woman away from him when Steve Martin was a roadie. Right. That's fascinating. Right. <laughs> yeah. The guy who is the the guy when from he was the in band. a banjo roadie, probably. That's probably. Oh, that's true. He ran away with the banjo grass. tour. Yeah, that's yeah. how it all started. Renaissance man. But um, also, it, it also I thought played into the way that like the sex scenes are filmed in this movie, where like not once but twice do we see that decidedly strange, very Hollywood vision of sex, where it's just like she's lying on the bed and all you see is her back, yeah. and it's just like, and it's just like. Claire Dane, so there's would be a big deal if like she went topless or whatever. We had just talked right. about the gift in uh-huh. last week's episode uh-huh. and what a big deal and kind of gross it was that everybody made a big deal of Katie Holmes going topless for the first time. I see. In that movie. What what year was Cider House Rules? Two thousand or nineteen ninety nine. No, ninety nine. Because that also has this rump shot. Charlie Sarah with the rump shot. Again, this man in a doorway. And in that case, it was like this scrawny, like, (laughs) staring at her, like, it's always this opposite, this young, flawless rump. Yes. I like the idea of rump shot being like the chaste Hollywood version of rump shaker, where it's just like, all I want to do is zoom, 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 zoom on Claire Danes. Uh, tasteful back, yeah. And sell some gloves. Yeah. <laughs> and sell some gloves. And sell some gloves. And sell some gloves. But they do it again with her back later, where she just like again very Hollywood scene, where she like she drops the robe and it just yeah. falls to the ground, and it's just like. I the sex scenes seemed very precious in that way where it's just like but I couldn't imagine what Steve Martin would look like actually having sex with her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there wasn't really like I just well, I ma- think for me it added to the creep factor because yeah, for a yes. long time you spend it thinking that Steve Martin's character or maybe it's just like maybe we wouldn't have uh, I feel like I probably would have thought he was a creep, but maybe it's like more pronounced now, like 15 years later almost. But he like talks about how he can see her place from his balcony or something. And 
it, the sex scenes lot. are so like precious and non-sexy. So funny, I didn't get creepy. Yeah, but you that's didn't. because I, I just feel like this is a uh, you know we we have a Lost in Translation story too story. It oh. did feel like a very reaction to Lost in Translation, even though the book yes. was from several years before Lost yeah. in Translation. But yeah, this but this all of the rump sightings and all of it. It did feel like you know <laughs> how did he feel? How did right. he feel about this? relationship maybe he did help her just so you know i am listening to me putting rump shaker on the back in the back oh absolutely don't just shock your girl (laughs) Um, (laughs) and i also forgot i'm not even really trying to skip to the end but i i also forgot that the movie makes me feel things at the end that are ragey and i didn't and i yeah and i forgot that that had happened to me and then i watched it again and it happened again you're just like damn (laughs) you got me again Butterfield! Yeah, right? But also, just like, even the fact that, like, his job, where it's just like, he has all this, he has enough money to pay off her student loans, so he's incredibly wealthy, and he's, his problem is that, oh, I travel too much between New York and LA, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And Seattle. Right, oh, right, Seattle. That's where the secret wife was. But all of his money is like, he's a logician, so it's like, oh, you got that big fat stacks of logician money? (laughs) So it doesn't even, he doesn't even have a problematic career, like, investment banker, or like, war profiteer or something like that it's just sort of like let me oh, you also tell me. you i did the full like i like took accelerated classes in symbolic logic learned something new every day oh, um, wow. <laughs> um under no circumstances is, are any of the logicians wonderful people that i met having sex with claire dane yeah, or right. being rich like they're not that kind of wealthy yeah no probably it, it not makes no sense so, okay, flipping that uh, script then to the other side, the Jason, the Jason Schwartzman scenes and relationship in that, do we like that better? Do we, I mean, I feel like we're supposed to because she ends up with him and it's not like it's a sort of, it's not like it's supposed to end on this note of just like, well, she ended up with that one. You know what I mean? I like, think it's doing I mean, it what does. it's doing more successfully. Like, the awkwardness of it. Like, you want it to happen when you want it to, but you don't when you don't. Like, their whole first sex scene is so dreadful in a way that it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, But it's very frustrating that Jason Schwartzman is the one that gets to have the character arc, and That's Mirabelle true. does and not. And she really doesn't. Her character arc is moving from one to the other. Yeah. And then sort of back again. Like, it, when it, the movie focuses on him, it, like, it kind of gets its stride, and it's because, like, there's, like, it's trying to actually do something with its yeah. character. One thought I sort of had was that in in gay romances, the sort of limited set that we have of them, that sometimes I find within the sort of community that there's an appreciation for movies that take a kind of low-key approach to things, sort of like Weekend, where it's just sort of like, it's not glamorous, it's very minor key, this is how it happens. And Mm -hmm. we kind of appreciate that for not selling us the fantasy. And I wonder if there's... is, is. there are similar thing. Like, would you have appreciated this movie for being like, oh, it feels more realistic than most because Schwartzman's character isn't idealized in any way, or is it just like, give me I something? I want that movie. whole movie to be that, and I think it really kind of could have been that, and like, I think it wants to be like a low key, you know, like not huge peaks and valleys emotionally. Right. 
at least for us, the audience and how we experience it. But it's just, it just ends up being flat. Like, I don't know if it knows how to be that movie. Yeah. Did you find him charming at all, Pam? Um, I don't usually like Jason Schwartzman ever. Right. It's, right. it's so hard to say his yes, name. Yes, it that, is. It's that a tongue twister in general. Already. Yeah. But um, I, in this one, I was like, oh, he does make interesting choices. But I was thinking of it always as Jason Schwartzman and not Jeremy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, this movie is so far after Rushmore that I feel like the bloom had fallen off the rose with him. I feel like by the time Sofia Coppola cast him in... Lost in Trans... Or no, Lost in Translation. Marie Antoinette, which would have been this year. No, next year, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. I feel like by that yes. point, he was already like, Jason Schwartzman in real movies? Like, what are you doing? Like, somewhere between Rushmore and this point, he had not, like, debased his reputation. You know what I mean? But it's just sort of like... <laughs> but he had, like, his reputation as an actor had not progressed into anything... You know, it's very much what the cliche we think a Jason Schwartzman character is right. to the max. Underachiever, sort of coasting on his connections and and that kind of a thing. I don't know. I do find that he does make more interesting choices than I tend to expect from him. I always feel like I'm getting I'm more pleasantly surprised. I feel that way in a lot of his Wes Anderson movies. I thought he was great in like Moonrise Kingdom or something, you know, stuff like that. I like him when he plays a jerk. Yeah, that works. Like against this type of what he's tasked to do in Shop Girl. I like him when he's like kind of an asshole. Yeah. And yet I'm still rooting for him, I think, to the extent that you're rooting for any one of these two guys. I think I'm rooting for him in this movie, which I'm probably supposed to be doing. I don't know. But that's frustrating because like i want the movie to root for mirabelle as much as it does for him right right but it doesn't it doesn't set up that way right the movie isn't set up that way right so yeah he ends up being the only thing you can root for yeah because uh well because he's sweet and he's a puppy he's a puppy right who's gonna grow up into you know a cuddly dog (laughs) right um (laughs) Who, you mean it's not the amps talk that really gets his, you on his side? His pure love for her will be enough, you know, right. that's more than she ever got. So this is, I imagine, what got you angry at the end of the movie? What got me angry at the end of the movie was him taking her aside to tell her, I did love you. Uh, oh, uh, Steve Martin taking her it's aside. It's terrible. Yes. It's a terrible thing to do to someone. Yes, it is. Fuck off, don't do that. Yeah. Don't yeah. go to your art show with the lady you had sex with. Right, as your new squeeze or whatever, Or just right? your date for the night, even yeah. worse. Not uh, not a wife. No, no. <laughs> not a, actually, I fell in love with her. Right. Just, uh, it was her. This is yeah. the one I did it with. Yeah. That's what she looks like. I know you've been in trying to were wondering. In case you were wondering. She's older than you. She's old you. Yeah. She's you. And, except she's still here, and I still do it with her. Yeah. Oh, P.S. You're right. I loved you. Bye. <laughs> also, thanks for the nude, dr- yeah. like the nude painting yes. you're giving me of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then he decides to let her go. We stay with him. He watches her go into the arms of the puppy. Right. And then he thinks, "Huh, look what I did." Right. And then that's that. That's the end of the movie. It's right. not about her. So no. then we still hear him say, "So she went to bed." With a lover who was also marginally that, better than I was. And that part in the voiceover where he's like, sometimes he thinks about her. Yeah. Sometimes she thinks about him and they do it at the same time and it's like they're together. And it's like, all right, voiceover. Like, <laughs> chill the fuck out. 
But it is, that's where, that's where it gets, you want it to be Mirabelle's movie and it's not. It's a story about right. what this man did to her. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, yeah. And it doesn't even feel remarkable enough where it's just like, yeah, there's probably a lot of these like older man, younger woman sort of like mentorship relationship kind of movies. And it's just sort of like. This feels kind of dime a dozen. Nothing that happens in this thing feels remarkable enough. <laughs> there you know is a certain said, thing I still, of... I liked this movie. Yeah. Like, it makes me feel a lot of things, and it's silly about um, how things work. Yeah. Right, but it, um, but I guess it is in its kind of containedness, and it's a, its novella feel. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is charming, and I don't know. Yeah, there is definitely... I mean, I think she's an incredibly magnetic presence as even with an underwritten character mm-hmm. yeah i think you want to sort of watch her doing whatever it is she's doing whether it's you know, she invented putting your hand on your cheek on your cheek yeah like she, <laughs> I, it's so good There's brushing moment, your hair behind your ear that so way good. yeah she you invented can that. feel That's each fiber of yeah. silken hair it, yeah. like it's so good the it's first true. time she leans on that count that glove counter before she gets in trouble like every finger is it's like she's went to class right. for two years only on where to put the fingers. Right. And you're just like, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll buy you a glove to to encase those perfect fingers. Yeah. It's so good. It's like um, my so-called life the, like got a movie. Yeah. Like she went to college. Well, that's, <laughs> and, and that's what I think is so interesting about her career at this point. Because I do remember, as I said, there was a palpable sense of like, okay, now is the, now, now she's a film actress. Now she's an ad- I mean adult film actress is a different combination. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Where it's just like she's now Back a to the rump shaker talk. Yes, right. Yes. Where it's just like she had my so called life and then Romeo and Juliet in sort of quick succession. And then there was a little bit of a fallow period where it was just like bouncing between the Rainmaker, Polish Wedding, Les Miserables. Remember the dramatic Les Miserables? Where it was just like, hey, all of the fun of Les Mis without the songs. And it's just like, great. So it's just the poverty and disease and death? Okay, great. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and then she made, like, The Mod Squad, which was a bomb. And yeah. Broke Down... I can't remember whether Broke Down Palace was, like, a success or not, but I feel like I only remember it in retrospect, as like a trailer, I don't really I do not it. think that that was a successful movie. I will right. look up the box office, but that very much speaks to me like a twenty to thirty million dollar right. box office movie. I feel like it's held on in the in the culture more than it probably even deserves to, for just sort of that shot in the trailer where she's just like, "I didn't do it," like that kind of thing. Oh then, no, like... I was being generous. Broke Down Palace made ten million dollars. Wow. Okay. I mean, I'm it was sure a summer bomb. Yeah. So her comeback, sort not comeback, but like her sort of ascent begins in 2002 when, she, <clears throat> when she's in The Hours and Igby Goes Down. Both of those well-regarded movies that had big or moderate awards implications. Obviously, The Hours was a big one. And Igby Goes Down had a little bit of like precursor stuff. And she's in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, which isn't, you know, a good movie, but it raises her status even more. And then I think that's when you feel like people start to look out for her as an Oscar player. She was in that movie Stage Beauty in 2004, which was a bust, even though I kind of think it's... I think it's a really good movie. I think it's especially a good Billy Crudup movie. That was when she and Billy Crudup got together. 
when he he left Mary Louise Parker for her, right? That was the story. Yeah. Right. No, she was pregnant. Yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were setting me up for a joke. No, 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 no. no. I'm just, I'm just making sure that we're all on the same page with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shop Girl is the year after Stage Beauty, and I feel like that was this was the height of, oh, Claire Danes is going to get an Oscar nomination, and then it didn't happen, and it sort of waned for a few years. She's in Evening. She's in Stardust, and then just as I feel like we had all maybe like given up the ghost on it, Temple Grandin comes around and it's just like, aha, she's not going to be an Oscar winner, but she's going to win every television award possible where it's just like Emmy and Golden Globe and SAG Award. And and it felt so long and drawn out because of <laughs> when it actually aired compared to right. the eligibil- eligibility timeline. So it was was like... that one of those where like the Emmy was the last thing she won? I think it was. Where it's just um, like she was like, or either like, because so, sometimes the Emmy is like the first thing you win and you wait like all the way until the end of the year and it's just like, oh, they're still winning awards. That's interesting. It's like a year so, later. And then after Tem- Temple Grandin sort of gives way to, well, I guess Homeland's not for another, another year or two, right? After Temple Grandin. But then she becomes like decidedly a TV actress. Yes. And, has been incredibly successful at it. You know, another one or two more Emmys for Homeland. Like, she's definitely found her spot. But, you know, there's still that that sense of she's an incredibly talented actress who could still possibly want i don't know if i don't know if she could win an oscar now i don't know if whether she's it still feels just as likely as it kind of always has even though the roles aren't there like the role could come out of nowhere and it it could just totally happen yeah i mean yeah this is like the third time we've kind of talked about her but like even so it's still the first time that she's a lead so it's like it feels yeah significant she's because of that Yes. Yeah, oh, she's real. Oh, yeah. She's it's amazing. Claire Danes crying she's amazing. Thing. There's like a type of crying that is the Claire Danes method. I feel like yeah. where it's just sort of like let your whole face just sort of go. That's it. It's still all very. You know what she? I just realized everything is from the chin, like the jawline. The hair oh. tucks behind yeah. the jaw. Yeah. The the cry originates yeah. from the chin. Yeah. Yeah. What are your sort of impressions of Claire Danes now? Were you a Homeland person? Did you get into? Yeah, that I watched show? that for a bit. Yeah, I feel yeah. like everybody watched it like for a bit. Yeah, she's very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Claire Danes and uh, Billy Crudup are both in Princess Mononoke. The, the oh thing, oh I yeah. Was just watching that the other day, and right. I, oh, I wonder if this is how they met. Probably not. They're never in the same. I was gonna say yeah, things, yeah yeah yeah. But there they but they were certainly at a premiere. Right. Maybe. Right, maybe. Yeah, because I feel like by the time they did Stage Beauty, they were already together. I don't know. I could be wrong. But I remember at the time, because I've always been, like, a Billy Crudup fan in, you know, a fan of his acting. And also just, like, God, for a while there, he was just so, like, the most gorgeous person. Um, And then I, but I always, huge fan of Mary Louise Parker and continue to be. And I remember being incredibly devastated by that little piece of you know gossipy life events i was just like no and that claire danes was wrapped up in it as well who i also loved and was just like why are you doing this to me clearly clearly they did at one point say what will joe think (laughs) what are we gonna do have we considered this and then her chin started to quiver (laughs) right right i forgot about joe (laughs) um 
The other sort of half of the Oscar buzz conversation for Shop Girl, though, was very much Steve Martin. Um, Chris, I'll, why don't you go into the sort of the Oscar snubbery of Steve Martin? Well, I mean, like, it, Shop Girl's a good one to kind of talk about it because Steve Martin's Oscar trajectory or non-trajectory is a two-pronged thing, both as an actor and as a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um it kind of charts all the way back to the early 80s with All of Me, which is the movie where uh, Lily Tomlin essentially inhabits his body. And right. there was that's kind of like one of those like storied discussions of if people just appreciated comedy, this performance would be nominated. Right. Um, and ever since it's kind of followed him around. We talked a little bit about it during our It's Complicated episode. But um, you have certain movies like Bowfinger, Roxanne, kind of on the fringes of Oscar conversation, specifically for Steve Martin, both as an actor and a writer. Um, And it's just kind of one of those comedy things. Whereas, okay, so they positioned or they submitted, I guess, Shop Girl as a comedy. And maybe Mm. that's partly the Steve Martin thing, but like, Outside of Jason Schwartzman, this doesn't really have a whole lot of yucks, especially for right. Steve Martin. It feels like once again, really straight. It feels like once again that like Hollywood just does not know how to position light drama. Like mm-hmm. unless you're a drama that is like about something super heavy or is like wildly dark or or a biopic. Or right, they're just like comedy, and it's just like, well, no, it's it's a drama. It's it's you know, it's light. It's not you know, well, it's romance. Right. I think that's well, yes. What yes. Is more than anything, right? Where do yeah. you, what what where do you put it without right belittling it? And they don't make enough romance to ever just sort of like make it its own thing either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Steve Martin. Th- it's interesting to me that he, for all of me, he won the New York Film Critics Award Prize for Best Actor and the National Society of Film Critics Awards award for best actor and then for roxanne he did la and national society he won both of those mm-hmm. and didn't get oscar nominated for either one of them and i feel like that's that kind both nominated of... for globes too oh yeah totally well yeah because that and i mean he would be nominated i think he got nominated for like father of the bride for one of part those. two like... not part one wait is that true <laughs> yes i don't like i know some people really like part two a lot more because it's the one that's on tv more often I can't watch part two. I don't know what it is. I love part one, but I just can't get with part two. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, th- I was looking up Grand, Grand, uh, Grand Canyon, I thought. I was looking. Isn't that oh. one that they talked about a lot for him? Oh, like, yeah, for Canyon. sure. Lawrence Kasdan. That was the big sort of like the new big, the big chill for the 90s, mm-hmm. I feel like, was the marketing push with that. Yeah. I watched that recently. That is... Not as bad as a movie as I was expecting. I was expecting a lot of just like really uncomfortable preachiness. And it wasn't quite that, but it's still not good enough to sort of like, you want it to, you know, arrive at some real conclusions and it doesn't quite do that either. So it's very just sort of like LA white people grappling with like gentrification a little bit. This is what I mean about like even Shop Girl. Like I think this is Steve Martin's this is oh. this is his LA. Right. This is how we walk through. His whole attitude is like, we're all better than this, right? I mean, I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's and he's made thing. an entire career of. I mean, LA story. I think of too is just sort of just like I am going to be the anthropologist mm-hmm. for the modern Los Angeles sort of like 
yes. living condition. Aren't we amusing, we humans? <laughs> <laughs> we Angelinos. Yeah, 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 totally. He's not really trying to, you know, hit you in your heart or anything. Right. You know, that's that. That's the closest you get is sometimes they are both looking at the same place at the same time. Right. And for that, they get to be together. Like, right. That is... That is the edge of... Uh... I also think, weirdly, it's the same kind of thing that makes him a really good Oscar host. And that he is, like, <laughs> honestly, like, it's like he is of mm-hmm. he is of the community perfectly. Where mm-hmm. you don't have to... It's not like with, like, Chris Rock, where you have to sort of just be, like, you know, wedge him into this Hollywood community that he kind of doesn't like or respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet he's... I think he's able to sort of tweak that community well on, like, the right level. But, like, yeah. they all... He then never loses the room. That's interesting, because he's like, why would I... This is my party. Right. They're all in my house. Right, right, yeah. right. And he's just, like, very arch about it, but in a way yeah. that, like, everybody really appreciates. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... I think it works. I feel... I do feel like, at some point, it would be nice if he was able to get the kind of a role that he could get, like, a supporting actor nomination for. I was sort of hopeful yeah. for it's complicated... And then it's, it's complicated. Because, he like, ends up with like the worst role. Yeah, I think that it feels just as likely as like, well, the Claire Danes could eventually. So it's like you can't. Yeah. It, they still, without anything to really go off of, like of getting very close, it still feels like it could be a sure thing with the yeah. right role. But the thing about this movie and his performance is like that's the kind of conversation or like the kind of buzz that happens before the role is actually or the performance is actually seen right because i i just if he wasn't such a likable screen presence i'm just not sure he's actually doing anything (laughs) like there's more character to his narration which is really sentimental yeah and like yeah yeah, when he shows up at the counter after she's gotten the gift of the... Or, or no, he shows up at the counter to buy the gloves first, right? That's the first time we really see them together. He puts the chilliest moves on her. Like, yeah, it's all It's not very, getting anybody's pulse rating, sir. Yeah. I don't he's know. He's her watch, you guys. What's that? Now he's her watch. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, that's so creepy. That's another part where I was like, is he going to, like, is she falling into a trap? Is that yeah. what this movie is? It's creepy. There's nothing about, there's nothing about that relationship that I feel like I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is a good idea for either one of them. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, but I don't, yeah, I don't think you're supposed to. Right. No, but of I, course. I yeah, but I do appreciate a movie that at least gives me a plausible deniability. That gives me a, a like a, a reasonable person could look at the other the you know the one that we're not supposed to choose, mm-hmm. and at least right. like make a case for it. And I don't or there's really like think this movie some type of real that. organic connection between the two, which we don't ever really feel. When we feel it, it feels like father daughter, like when he's taking care of her after she has the issue with her meds. Right. But like as far as romantically, sexually, like the chemistry is just never there. Even like the the paying off the student loan thing. It's it's great in like a oh it would be great if somebody paid off my students kind of a way but another yeah. one is just like this is not the romantic move that I feel like you you think it is but it is so they baked it into this character this is the issue I'm just thinking like well what what was he supposed to do Steve Martin to right. get this Oscar they right. said you're an you're, you're an emotionally unavailable man who right. doesn't really believe in love right go 
Yeah. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so that's what he did. Give it to us. At yeah. all times. So he gave her things and he tried with, and now I'm your watch and all of these little clunky moments of yeah. trying to be human when you're not a human. Like they, we yeah. even see for no reason at all the faceless therapist. Yeah. So that we can keep thinking yes. there's a secret wife. I mean, what? <laughs> right. That's the scene where it's like that, those scenes are doubled with her talking with her friends and we're supposed to get mm-hmm. that like very Mars and Venus kind of a like, she interprets it as he wants to see her more and he interprets it as, oh, this girl gets it. She knows that I'm going to be jet setting to Seattle for my lunches and conferences or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, and he yeah. seemingly sleeps with someone else like on a dare. Yeah. And not, you know, like he just decides to. And then in his note where he's just like, if I had it to do again, I wouldn't have. And it's like, you didn't seem like you were that out of your mind, you know. Yeah. When you were making the decision. It's not like he was like wasted or anything like that. I I just, I mean, I buy, I guess I don't get the creepiness because I buy so much of this. That you would, that he would write her a note and then sit there and watch her read it. Yeah. Just so he could see what emotion (laughs) is. Like it all tracked for me. Yeah. So it didn't seem creepy. It just felt like. Yeah doomed yeah and so there i guess because it felt doomed from the start um there were moments that became sweet because yeah. they're the memories of of the doomed love sure i get that yeah but then, then again yeah, I, I, that. I i i like romance yes. <laughs> like, i would put a romance in that where people are like no pam that's not a romance right. you know but well, like i, I find like... secretary to be a very romantic movie <laughs> oh definitely though but see, and I think the romance that I get out of this movie is like the bantery stuff between her and Schwartzman, where it's just like, oh, their conversation sounds like the kind of conversation that two people who like each other would have. And mm-hmm. I don't think we get that with her and the Steve Martin character. Like, their conversations seem appreciative, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but not in any way collegial. Do you know what I mean? Where it's just like, she and Schwartzman at least, like, she'll, like, give him slight shit for, you know, not sure. having... That's a la- money. They or... have a laundromat love. Yes, they do have a laundromat love, and yeah. I kind of, I get, I get, you know, that. That's fun. But she can have a hundred Jeremys. Oh, I think yes. that's clear from the beginning. She's like, that I guess true. this Jeremy's here today. Well, this was sort of my <laughs> feeling with my so-called life when people talk about like the Jordan Catalano versus Brian Krakow of it all. <laughs> Does she ever go a day where her life doesn't come to the like, Nope, <laughs> probably not. Trying to get <laughs> just like coffee bean guys, just coffee being bean. like. <laughs> Should have picked Brian. Um, no, totally true. But I remember, I, I mean, having the bajillion arguments I've had with people about like Jordan versus Brian, and I've always come down solidly on the side of Jordan Catalano because even though that doesn't isn't going to end well, she could have a thousand Brian. She will have a thousand Brian Krakows in mm-hmm. her like life, and like that's not going to be like might as well while you're in high school go for that brass ring of that beautiful dummy sort of standing in front of you just to at least see what it was like to just sort of be with the Jordan Catalano for once. That's my feeling. That's my argument. Huh. Yeah. And you didn't like Shop Girl? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what this was. Yeah. You just pitched a 15 second plot synopsis of yeah. Shop Girl. <laughs> yeah, but Steve Martin's not wearing a choker at any point in this movie, so that throws that out the window. <laughs> but, like, we never feel like that's Mirabelle's intention with this guy. Like you never, uh, I think it just assumes that there is chemistry there or assumes that we are picking up on a chemistry that never really registers for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, it assumes that we just buy it. Um, I don't know. I get that. 
Well, it's like I, her, it's, her for me, art. that's kind of less what's on the page because we we buy it in a million other movies, both better and worse than this movie. And it's I feel like it's kind of the way Anand Tucker approaches it, just kind of with this malaise, which at first I was kind of interested in because of her uh, depression situation and her meds. Yeah. But it ends up just kind of flatlining, at least yeah. romantically for me. It's funny to me that Anand Tucker is married to Sharon Maguire, who directed Bridget Jones's Diary, because I feel like you could not have more different vibes <laughs> in terms of just like the way they appro- they approached pop fiction. Like, uh, you know, the source yeah. materials are also very different, mm-hmm. but just like, I don't know. There's just, she's just like playing around with, you know, bunny costumes and one-liners and whatever. And he's just like, she's just going to lean on the counter. Yeah. She's going to look very pretty. Um, it's just interesting to me that this movie... What's that, Chris? Just say your lines to each other. Yeah, yeah, right. It's interesting to me that this movie got... One of the few nominations it actually got was the Costume Designers Guild gave it a nomination for Best Contemporary Costumes. Listen... Which, Every single dress. I can say, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm getting the seal of approval with the dresses, which is like, and it's it's interesting to see that particularly because like the Oscars always go for period royalty, like anything, just sort of like big and opulent and most. So I feel like the Costume Designers Guild, when they have the category for for contemporary, is always notable. This year was interesting in that it was Shop Girl. Trans America, which won, because there, a lot of that movie is about, like, I think movies that are about a character sort of placing a lot of value on what they wear mm-hmm. gives it a little bit of an edge. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which, I mean, you're dressing Angelina Jolie yeah. and Brad Pitt. You sort of got the, yes. you These got the advantage. Black yeah. <laughs> These clothes look really good. <laughs> uh, Hustle and Flow, which I think is a cool nomination. And then the fifth one, which I find hilariously, not baffling, but just funny, is Syriana. Because who looks at Syriana Why? and just like, those threads, though. Like, those desert casuals. <laughs> I don't know. It's very All that funny beige, you know. It, yeah. it suited Listen, the directorial vision. Matt Damon wearing those dad khakis as he's, like, yeah. running around the compound. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what Did did you have anything else on the uh, on the awards tip for Shop Girl? What it did and did not get? Did you want to talk about the satellites? Uh, we've... We've talked a few times about the satellites. This is like maybe the most satellitesy movie we've talked about in a while. The Golden Satellite um, Awards, which nominate everything and everything. Which nominate anything and everything, even if they haven't seen the movie yet. It's uh, it was nominated for comedy musical. Claire Danes and Jason Schwartzman were nominated, and Steve Martin was nominated and adapted screenplay. Yeah, none of those ended up replicated anywhere else. So, where do you think ultimately? Why this movie? Because you you read the reviews for this movie, they're not bad. Like I don't, it, it was sort of a sixty percent Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic yeah. kind of thing, right? It's mixed and, positive slash right mixed positive, which is sort of a kiss of death when you're talking about a movie that you want to get into the Oscars, where it's just like you need to have some sort of enthusiasm somewhere. But I wrote this down. There was an Andrew Saris review that uh, got quoted on its on the Rotten Tomatoes page that I find really funny, where he mentions. 
The sheer charm of Ms. Dane's performance combined with the convincingly resigned sadness of Mr. Martin and the intense sincerity of the singularly uncharismatic Mr. Schwartzman make this a deeply okay. bittersweet film experience. I was like, wow, what a beautiful way of completely eviscerating an actor. He just walked by and was like... <laughs> yeah, just like, it's like those prison scenes where you see somebody walk by and then they take the little toothbrush shiv and they're just like, stab, 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 and then they just drop it and walk by. Like, also, it's like says. equating everyone else, like the positive adjectives for like what you're saying is good. You're just like describing them as sad people. Yeah. It's like you're sad or worthless. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. But yeah. I guess that's I guess if that was the tone of the positive reviews, because that was a fresh review. So maybe that's not entirely surprising. He's not okay. everyone's cup of tea is what I'm no. trying to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> singularly uncharismatic no one is uncharismatic in quite the way that you are mr schwartz he yeah i get it i it's when he's being a dick i don't enjoy him i yeah. find it too real yeah I, yes i'm like I get, get out of here sir yeah. yeah yeah so there was something about him bumbling around that i actually enjoyed because I, I was like normally i'm supposed to find you so great yeah that's how I, oh are you that's oh, how yeah. i feel about oh, him oh are they yeah yeah oh for sure um i had i was at trivia a couple weeks ago and the there was a tiebreaker question that i had to answer about how many total oscar nominations for the entire coppola family all time including um in-laws and ex-in-laws so including Patricia Arquette, because she was married to Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. including Spike Jones, because he was married to Sophia, mm-hmm. um, Francis, and Carmine Coppola, and Talia Shire, and Nicolas oh, Cage, and all these people. And so, and I was off by, like, a dozen or more. But the only one in that, the only, like, notable family member in the Coppola family who has zero Oscar nominations is Jason Schwartz. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, even, like, uh, Roman Jason, Coppola. I don't think that's of, like, changing anytime soon. Yeah. Maybe he's got maybe he's got his Lost in Translation coming up. I don't know. He'll get like a he'll song be, nomination. Oh, he'll be like a another Wes Anderson animated character. Wes, Wes Anderson's gonna keep trying. Oh the yeah, stop for motion sure. animation and then I'm the fact that oh, he, he can't win an Oscar for that. For what? Anything animated that he's acting in. No. No. Unless it, he's well, gonna we, have to. We talked about <laughs> we'll have to go into producing. We talked about in our Where the Wild Things Are episode about how there should be an uh, award for voiceover performance. And I that... would maybe say Jason Schwartzman's like favorite performance of mine is Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's great. I, I absolutely think he would have been uh, a good nomination for that for Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's wonderful in that. But yeah, um, I don't know. Any closing thoughts on Shop Girl before we move into the IMDb game? Um... No, I mean it, it, tiny little movie. So I feel like it's a tiny little talk, right? Yeah. But um... is it a movie you like that? Like you think about or, like. No, I don't think I think... Don't ever think about it. I remember, well, on your list, I also was like, do I want to talk about, we need to talk about Kevin. That was where I was like, I oh, feel like that will get... Yeah. They'll just go to places. Yeah. Where it'll be like, and then he... So I'd rather... <laughs> Shackle's going to keep it light and in the air, even though... Because we don't really need to talk about the sad stuff to talk right. about what what works and doesn't right work to yeah. me for whatever reason i don't ever think of shop girl as like a light fun movie i tend to th- i it just bums me out a little bit because i'm just like none of these characters are all that happy 
nice or successful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think I didn't remember that. Yeah. I think I remembered the whimsy of the beginning. The, yeah. The voiceover is whimsical. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that mm-hmm. seems to have stuck inside. And then you look at the cast and you think, I bet this is funny. Yeah, well, even that's that in that shot of her at the counter. I was mm-hmm. like, ah, we're going to get something fun and whimsical. And then it just doesn't, to me, it does not deliver on that promise. Yeah, but you know, it's so right around, like I said, it's when I was first moving to L.A. that I think probably it did feel, it does feel like your first L.A. struggle heartbreak of yeah. like meeting someone and thinking, will I be special now? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no. No, your apartment will still go up some stairs and down some stairs and up some stairs again. <laughs> but you'll at least get that good parking spot right in front yeah. of it every Not, time. Yeah, and maybe one day that guy will come to your art show right. to tell you you were actually pretty great. Oh, boy. That's very... so. I loved I you love all you. along. Yeah. Yeah. What a dick! What a dick! <laughs> Chris, where do you end up with with Shop Girl? I mean, it's an. I think this is also another one of those cases. Um, to like, not to. We don't have to dive into like the sadness of it, but like, I think the one like really distinct thing about this movie is that it de- it talks about her depression and her meds, and it never really gets specific enough with it. And I feel like that's like just an idea that makes this movie kind of stand apart that I would have liked to have had been more fleshed out. But I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier. This is another case of a movie where it's like, it feels too close to something else that was successful in that. Like it does feel like it's chasing a little bit of what lost in translation did well, just with less of an authorial voice. Um, Yeah. Lost in translation kind of ate this movie's lunch ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, like that's what I think the I'm your watch is such a response to like I touch your ankle, your foot, and yeah. head, right? Like mm-hmm. you could <laughs> there's yeah. so many of them you could put next to each other. Right, totally. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz even like just those those main character like Bill Murray's character is is downbeat in a similar but there's there's a lot more spark in that character, I don't know, than the Steve Martin character mm-hmm. in, in Shop Girl. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he was so aware of. There's a different kind of awareness, right? Like yes. I think Steve Martin was like, and I like this about me. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> I'm not changing. Right. I'm you're fine. gonna change because yeah. I'm great. You're gonna be okay with my aloofness. Like, <laughs> yes. well, be, and yeah, like it's it also the Bill Murray character is. You get a sense of a lot of life and regret mm-hmm. and things like even when he's not talking, like. There's a lot of small details that you get, like when he's on the phone with his wife mm-hmm. or like just doing his job on a commercial set that we understand who the person is, even though he's not very communicative. And right. I think the character Steve Martin is playing is just a boring guy. <laughs> yeah, that that that's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, shop girl couldn't make it, but, you know, tried. So. Why don't we move into, Chris, why don't you explain for the listeners what we do with the IMDb game every week to close Okay, the so the IMDb game is how we close all of our episodes. We challenge each other to name the four titles that IMDb says that they are most known for. We choose a character, actress, or actor, or actor to challenge each other with. 
try to avoid the Marvel Cinematic Universe and uh, Harry Potter because those float right to the top because of whatever the algorithm is, and that just gets boring. We um, get two wrong guesses, and then we give each other years. If that doesn't help us along, then we just throw out a free-for-all of hints and trivia. Fun comments. Keep going until we get it right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So we're going to go in around Robin as we do when we have three people on here. So I'll give to Pam. Pam, you can give to Chris. And Chris, you can give to me. Okay. And we'll give Pam you the choice of go, uh, giving first or guessing first. I have to pull up an actor here. So let's okay. see. I guess I'll get... Well, I'll guess. I'll guess you want to guess first? Yes. Okay. So I... On the Anand Tucker tip, I sort of went into his filmography, and the last feature film that he directed, I actually saw in theater with, I want to say I saw this with either Tara or Linda, and I can't remember which, and maybe if one of them is listening, they can shout out and claim this one, or not. This was the 2010 movie Leap Year, starring Matthew Good and Amy Adams. Okay. So I'm going to give you Amy Adams. What are the four IMDb known for movies for Amy Adams? Okay, that she. So it's what's going to be at the very top, right? Well, it's like you see the you go to their page and it's like the four sort of featured. Okay, so right now it'll probably be Vice. Nope. Is that possible? Not Vice. Okay. One Strike. Oh boy. Newest Already... stuff is usually not show up. God, you guys, I'm going to do so poorly at this Sorry. because <laughs> I'm immediately like Junebug, right? Like I'm the wrong person to ask for against an algorithm. Because <laughs> um, I don't think it's Junebug. What would it be like? What is the one with. Um, Watch me turn into my mother. What is the one with the girl from the Hunger Games? <laughs> Your cousin lives in LA. Your cousin lives in LA. She knows Amy Adams probably. You should call her. You should call her. Uh, what is that one? With the, it was very good, but it, that doesn't pass the Bechtel test. There they were in the bathroom and they had to make out because uh-huh. that's what you do with two women in a room. Uh-huh. What is that one called? I don't know, but it's it's one of them. So she sure can get she's got the movie. She can, I think she has it. It's American Hustle. And yes, I'm also giving you that because you said it's a very good movie and I am a known defender. Yeah, Chris is a defender of American Hustle. Well, I I mean, sure. Um, Hold on. Don't let me forget Enchanted. Yes, Enchanted is one of them. Okay, Enchanted. And then, hmm, I have to get two more of these. Yeah. Oh, Arrival. Two more. You got one wrong guess. Which should, she should have won everything. Yes, she's fantastic. She can still, we can still send one. They're still good. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. 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 Amy Adams is. This is the part where I'm like, no, that was Jenna Fisher. No, that was, <laughs> that, that, was Isla Fisher. that was Isla Fisher. No, that was uh. Okay, one more Amy. Oh man, I would have thought it'd be Vice. Just it's topical. Uh, I get hints. You said if you get one more wrong, you'll get the year of the movie that uh, you're missing. Okay. Okay. Well, that should be easy because I'm still gonna say Junebug. It's not too bad. <laughs> so the year is 2008. Okay. Hmm. So 10 years ago. 10 years ago, Amy Adams was in a, a movie that was good. Uh, divisive. It is one of her yeah. Oscar nominations. It's one of her Oscar nominations. This is the Oscar nomination I say is the forgettable Oscar Yes, this is the one that a lot of people forget that she was Oscar, she was nominated for. Her co-stars kind of overshadowed her in this movie. Well, and also, like, this is the one when people were, like, everybody likes her now, but, like, people on the internet were mean to her, and I think it's largely because of this Yeah, that's fair. Mm. Oh, boy. 
Obviously, I'm going to lose on this. She wasn't in Silver Linings Playbook, was she? She wasn't in Silver Linings. No. Your cousin, your cousin's, your cousin got wrong. All the Amy Adams movies. Uh, I'm so disappointed in her. She has a very distinct costume that would tell you who she is in this movie. Yeah. Is she playing the queen? And what her job is. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not going to get it, you guys. I'm just being dead air. She was mostly playing opposite a very famous actress who she had previously co-starred in the same movie with, but they had no screen time, and that that other actress was nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the most Oscar nominated actress, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> she was in a movie with Meryl Streep. Yeah. This yes. movie has Meryl Streep in it. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And it's from 2008. Yeah. Well, Amy not... Adams was Oscar nominated for it. Okay. All right. Well, it's not like one of those Mamma Mia's. <laughs> no, but it was the same year as Mamma Mia. <laughs> this was like Mamma Mia was fun, and this was not. This fun. was not fun. This was not fun. This was based on a play, not oh, fun. Based on a play. Yeah. Oh gosh, I feel terrible. These people weren't in proof. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, what's another one-word play from that era? Doubt. Yes. Doubt. doubt. Yes, I have doubt. <laughs> I remember. Oh, thank God. No, I wouldn't have remembered that she was in doubt. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely, she got nominated for, for doubt. Mm. Yep. Uh, well done, though. You got the no, other three really know. well. Junebug. Thank you for verifying that I, my stance, that it is her most forgettable nomination. Yeah, that's, well, that's fair. Yes. I don't know that I, I saw the plays. I don't know that I watched the movie Doubt because I saw the play. It's not that great. Yeah. I will say. Um. All right, Chris, do you want to give to me and we'll let Pam... Uh, come up with one to give to you yes absolutely okay so we briefly mentioned that shop girl features actress bridget wilson sampras who uh, listeners may know as miss vaughn from billy madison however my distinct childhood memory is that she plays the daughter of an action star in the film last action hero the star of that movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. Your IMDb game challenge is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I thought you were going to give me Bridget Wilson Sampras and I was going <laughs> to find you and track you down. Actually, uh, hers is pretty easy because Mortal Kombat's on there. Billy, Billy Madison. Madison last action yeah, hero. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they're all films that like he's an actor in. It's not like producer credits or anything like that. Uh, they are all acting movies. Okay. The Terminator. No. Jesus Christ. Terminator 2. <laughs> Terminator 2. Okay. Um, True Lies. True Lies. Okay. God, what of the bajillion 80s action movies is he nominated for? Um, they're not nominated for it, but on IMDb. <laughs> he should be on there for the Golden Globes where he just kept saying, Avada. Avada. <laughs> Avada. Avada. Your best picture nominee, Avada. Avada. Um, <laughs> Predator? Yes, Predator. Okay, okay. We used to watch Predator a lot on like Saturday afternoons with my dad on TV. We watched Predator. All right, Hell so yeah. I got three. Kindergarten Cop. Nope. That's, uh, so that's two. Um, the other answer is 2000. Okay. So it's not like Commando or uh, or Conan the Barbarian. 2000. Oh, God, is it End of Days? It is not End of Days. Okay. 
Can I say that I my own I have not seen this movie. My only memory of this movie is that it is featured in Bowling for Columbine. Huh. Oh. But it's not the one that was because it's two thousand, so it wouldn't be the one that nine eleven delayed. Um. That's collateral damage, and no. Right. Um. Two thousands. It's like not a good one, right? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's seen as a good one. I will say his, the next two credited people, um, the next two credited stars of this movie are Michael Rappaport and Tony Gold- Goldwyn. Woof. Okay. Um, so that means it's not Eraser. It is not Eraser, baby. Eraser. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, this feels like uh, a very It's generic... kind of a nothing title. The, um, oh, the poster is some type of contraption covering his eyes. Um, oh, Lord. There's a number in the title. Oh, is it the sixth day? It's the sixth what day. What the fuck, IMDb? That's so stupid. All the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, they're going to put the sixth day on there. That's insane. Okay. All right. Uh Pam, have okay. you picked one out for Chris? I picked someone out. Okay, who you got? All okay. right, what do we got? So, because Shop Girl is not Lost in Translation, yeah. but we like Lost in Translation, um, Anna Ferris plays a part in Lost in Translation <gasps> that is supposed to be based upon Cameron Diaz. Yes. Have you done Cameron Diaz before? I don't think we have, have uh, we? I'm pulling it up. Yes, we have done Cameron Diaz. Give him mm. Anna Ferris, though. Do you want to do Anna Ferris? Let's, uh, let's go for it. I think that would um, be fun. I do love that she plays there. Cameron Diaz in that movie. Though. Yeah, you got a freebie on that one. Uh, no, it is not. No, Lost in Translation. Okay. Um, House Bunny. Yeah. Um. Is there any TV? Is there Mom? Nope. No TV. Okay. Um. How many of the scary movies was she in? I'm just gonna say the first scary movie. Scary movie. Well, there is a scary movie, but I mean, not that. One. I feel like you should get it for just right. Yeah, I would pick uh, the fourth scary movie is the one that is at the top. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. Uh. Ooh. Oh. Uh. Brokeback Mountain. She's in Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, but not Fair on way. IMDb. Okay. I mean, that's like one scene. Um. So I guess I get it. Um. Mm. So that's. Is that two wrong? Mm-hmm. I think you have two wrong now, mm-hmm. so you get years, right? Mm-hmm. So your missing years are 2005 and 2006. Oh, back to back. Um, 2005 is not Brokeback Mountain. Uh, it's Just Friends. It yes. is Just Friends. Yeah. She's really good in Just Friends. Yeah, she's very good. 2006. Funny in that. Ooh. 2006 is a movie that you fully forgotten existed, and I <laughs> never knew she was in it. I am learning things yeah. about this. I don't. I don't know that I've. It's starring a. Oh, it's directed by actually a very famous comedy director whose uh, most notable movie we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Oh. What did we talk about? Um. Oh, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. That is not going to get me anywhere. It's his most forgettable. <laughs> it's like by far his most forgettable movie. Well, like I feel like he's still out there making movies and we don't remember what they are because he's made a couple movies. Um, Look at this cast. 
Um, yeah, he's made two movies since this one, but uh, yeah. Uh, who is in the cat? Can you give me like another? One of them was an act is an actress who made a lot of headlines around the Me Too time. Uh, uh, Ashley Judd. No, but like in a very sort of like dramatic and kind of like threateningly satisfying way. <laughs> Oh, Uma! Yes. Uma, Uma, Uma. Yes. Uh, Uma Thurman did some comedies, I guess, um, in 2006. I'm pretty sure this was a Razzie nominee. No, it wasn't. Okay. It's an MTV Movie Award nominee for Best Fight with Anna Ferris and Uma Thurman doing the fighting. Is this just like... <laughs> Is this like a real fight? The soundtrack has a song by Puddle of Mud. I, I imagine there's some comedy to this fight. <laughs> Sorry, that was of mud. fun fact. Puddle of Mud did the uh, main song. You know this one. <laughs> Eddie Izzard plays a character called Professor Bedlam in this movie. Damn. Can I just tell him the storyline and see if he knows? Because I would Yeah, maybe. In New York, when the shy and lonely project manager of a design firm, Matt Saunders, meets Jenny Johnson in the subway, he invites her to date and have dinner with him. Jenny immediately falls in love with him. They have sex, and she discloses her true identity to him, telling that she is the powerful superhero G-Girl. Anything? Is it my super ex-girlfriend? Yes. I'm leaving. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Jesus. Anna Ferris deserves better than that. Chris, when you come to New York to hang out, can we do a double feature of The Sixth and Day and My Super Ex-Girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, boy. Yes. It'll uh, be our right. live show, so whenever we eventually get to the point where we do a live show, it's going to be my super ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, Pam, thank you so much for being our guest on yeah, this episode. Thanks for having me. It was oh really God, fun. Yeah, I don't know. It was. Uh, it's finally. I'm glad we got to Shop Girl, and I'm glad we had you on. And as it's our, sequel as next time. We'll do the Shop Girl around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Make it cow- cowards in Hollywood. Do it. That is our episode. If you want more of This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Pam, where can the listeners find you, your whatever you're working on now? You're working on uh, My Boyfriend is a Bear? Mm-hmm. My comic book, my graphic novel, My Boyfriend is a Bear with Cat Ferris came out last year, and uh, I'm adapting it for Legendary right now. That's fantastic. Yay. And it can be found in all... All bookstores. All bookstores. Go out and find it. It's very funny. It's very cute. Thank I you. love it. Uh, anywhere else people can find you? Do you have a hmm? Twitter you want to send people oh, to? Oh, sure. Yes. I was like, mm, no. I sign <laughs> a lot of NDAs. Uh, yes. I'm on Twitter at Pamela Ribbon. That's R-I-B-O-N. Yes. Yeah. Get it better than the Starbucks people. Get it. Well, <laughs> Spell it better than that. Who? You, thank you for saying it correctly. It's so rare. <laughs> Chris, where can the listeners find you and your stuff? Um, I am on Twitter at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. Also on Letterboxd at Chris V. File. That's where we keep our This Had Oscar Buzz running list where you can find our IMDb game stats and direct links to episodes. You can also find me at thefilmexperience.net. Excellent. I am on Twitter at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. I am also on Letterboxd as Joe Reed. Reed is spelled the exact same way. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. 
The five-star review in particular really helps us out with iTunes visibility, so please be our little Jason Schwartzmans, making sure we have the best amp to take this little indie rock band to the next level. That is all for this week, but we hope you will be back next week for more buzz. All I want to do is on a zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs>